welcome to PA Centered, a podcast designed to help listeners be a part of the solution to end sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. Each episode, we will take on a topic or current event to help spark conversation and break down barriers to building communities free from sexual violence. Hi everyone, I'm Jackie Strom, the Prevention and Resource Coordinator at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. I'll be your host today as we're joined by Conrad, Lisa, and Andrea to talk about the United States Supreme Court's monumental decision, Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia. This decision made clear that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act prohibits employers from discriminating against gay or transgender individuals. Andrea Conrad and Lisa are all staff attorneys at PCAR Sexual Violence Legal Assistance Project, known as SVLAP. The SVLAP provides free civil legal services to survivors of sexual assault, sexual violence, and sexual harassment. Can you each tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Hi, Jackie. This is Andrea. Um, I've been working at PCAR at the Sexual Violence Legal Assistance Project as a staff attorney for nearly two years now. Um, Prior to that, I had done policy work for the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And prior to that, I had worked as a legal services attorney. So for many years, I've done domestic violence and sexual violence work. Uh, hi, Jackie. I'm more recent addition to SVLAP. I just started earlier this year, um, and I came with 16 years of experience in civil litigation, family law, criminal law, and family-based immigration. Um, the immigration work being close to my heart because uh, I immigrated to the United States from Poland when I was a junior in high school, and then went on to um, get my undergraduate degree at Penn State in international politics and then law degree from University of Pittsburgh. Hi Jackie, I'm Lisa. I joined the SV Lab program after over a decade of representing individuals in civil rights, educational and employment matters. I specifically litigated employment discrimination cases at the PHRC and EEOC and in federal court. Our team is led by our legal director, attorney Suzanne Estrella, and our other team members, attorney Jay Stark and our paralegal, Kelsey Regal. We are available to represent survivors throughout the state of Pennsylvania, including representation for employment matters, housing concerns, protection orders, the Prison Rape Elimination Act issues, and Title IX issues. Thank you all so much for being here today. This is truly a monumental decision handed down by the Supreme Court just a few days ago. So first, Andrea, can you give us some background about this case? Uh, Thanks for having us, Jackie. We appreciate it. Um, This Supreme Court case is the culmination of uh, many years um, that have gone by and and represents the consolidation of actually three separate employment cases that involve three separate plaintiffs. Um, The plaintiffs were Gerald Bostock, Donald Zarda, and Amy Stevens. Um, Some of the, at least least one of the plaintiffs that I'm aware of was terminated from employment like 10 years ago. And in fact, two of the three Plaintiffs are actually deceased at this time, and we wanted to acknowledge that this has been 
um, a long process to get to this point. Um, but I'm going to start off by telling you a little bit about one of the plaintiffs named Gerald Bostock. Um, he had worked for the Clayton County, Georgia um, Child Wel Welfare Advocacy Office. And from what the opinion states, under his leadership, the county won national awards for its work. He had worked there for approximately 10 years when he began participating in a gay recreational softball league. And not too long after that, influential members of the community allegedly made disparaging comments about Mr. Bostock's sexual orientation and his participation, excuse me, in that league. Um, soon thereafter, he was fired for conduct and I quote, unbecoming, end quote, of a county employee. At that point, he sued his employer for employment discrimination on the basis of his sexual orientation under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. Thanks, Andrea. Conrad, can you tell us about the second case, Zarda versus Altitude Express? Uh, yes, thank you, Jackie. Uh, so Mr. Zarda was a skydiving uh, assistant for Altitude Express uh, on Long Island, New York. Um, he worked there for several seasons. And in uh, 2010, um, he actually told one of the female customers uh, he, of his gay identity just to make her more comfortable with him assisting her during a skydive. She and her boyfriend later expressed their objections to Altitude, uh, leading to Mr. Zarda's dismissal a few days later on the claim of misconduct. Uh, he filed this lawsuit in 2014 on the basis of employment discrimination. And uh, uh, unfortunately, the same year, he died in another skydiving accident. <clears throat> but his family continued the legal fight. Uh, the trial court, the district court, uh, ruled in favor of the employer. However, the family then appealed its ruling and the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit overturned the trial court's ruling that Title VII does protect employees from discrimination based on sexual orientation. Thank you, Conrad. Lisa, can you tell us about the third case? Sure, thank you, Jackie. Uh, the third case was brought by Amy Stevens against her former employer, Harris Funeral Home. Amy had presented as a man for six years while working as a funeral director for the Harris Funeral Home in Livonia, Michigan. When Amy was not at work, she presented as a female at home with her family. But by 2012, Stevens sought treatment for her despair and she was suicidal. She was diagnosed with gender dysphoria and recommended that she begin living as a woman. She told her employer in writing that she planned to quote, live and work full time as a woman. Within two weeks of giving her employer the letter, the funeral home told Amy that she was fired saying, this is not going to work out. Amy brought a lawsuit for employment discrimination. Her case made it all the way up to the Supreme Court. However, she died a month before the Supreme Court issued this monumental decision. Wow, it's really unfortunate to hear that um, two of the folks involved in this case have passed on, um, but it's great to hear the outcome that we now know. So 
Andrea, can you explain the ruling from the Supreme Court and what it says for LGBTQ employees? Sure. Um, In a nutshell, um, in a sentence, the Supreme Court held that based on Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, employers are prohibited from firing employees on the basis of, and I quote, homosexuality or transgender status, end quote. Um, A few other points um, that were emphasized by the court in its ruling would be that when an employer fires an employee for being homosexual or transgender, it necessarily and intentionally discriminates against that individual in part because of, and I quote, unquote, sex. So a lot of this case hinged on how the court uh, defined sex. Um, And that is all the court said that Title VII has ever demanded to establish liability. A second point that the court emphasized is that the plaintiff's sex need not be the sole or primary cause of the employer's adverse action. And uh, lastly, a third point that the um, majority held was that an employer who intentionally fires an individual, quote unquote, homosexual or transgender employee, in part because of that individual's sex, violates the law, even if the employer has treated all other LGBTQ employees lawfully. Um, So in essence, the court said that Title VII, in Title VII, Congress adopted broad language, making it illegal for an employer to rely on an employee's quote unquote sex when deciding to fire that employee. And therefore, an employer who fires an individual merely for, merely for being gay or transgender defies the law because the person was fired on the basis of sex. Thank you. Lisa, can you tell us how the Supreme Court reached their decision? Sure. This decision was written by Justice Gorsuch, who was recently appointed to the Supreme Court by the Trump administration. He delivered the majority 6-3 opinion of the court. In reaching this decision, Justice Gorsuch basically said that only the text of the law matters, writing, ours is a society of written laws. Judges are not free to overlook plain statutory commands. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, the law at issue in this case, has a plain statutory command, and I'm quoting, Title VII makes it unlawful for an employer to fail or to refuse to hire or to discharge any individual or otherwise discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment. And this is the important part for this case, because of such individuals, race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. The court made the rights of LGBTQ employees perfectly clear in one short paragraph. An employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex. Sex plays a necessary and undisguisable role in the decision, exactly what Title VII forbids. The opinion give a couple examples of why Title VII's quote, because of sex language is broad and protects LGBTQ employees. Consider for example, an employer with two employees, both of whom are attracted to men. 
the two individuals are, to the employer's mind, materially identical in all respects, except that one is a man and the other a woman. If the employer fires the male employee for no reason other than the fact that he is attracted to men, the employer discriminates against him for traits or actions it tolerates in his female colleague. Or take an employer who fires a transgender person who was identified as male at birth, but who now identifies as female. If the employer retains an otherwise identical employee who was identified as female at birth, the employer intentionally penalizes a person identified as male at birth for traits or actions that it tolerates in an employee identified as female at birth. Again, the individual employee's sex plays an unmistakable and impermissible role in the discharge decision. So essentially, this case turns on a very simple application of Title VII's text. Discrimination because of sex can occur when an employer treats a male employee differently than a female employee or vice versa. An employer, for example, fires a woman because she is insufficiently feminine and also fires a man for being insufficiently masculine. The employer may argue that it treated both the women and men equally because they fired a woman and a man. In both cases, however, each employee was fired in part because of sex. And as the Supreme Court notes, this does not avoid Title VII liability. This employer doubles it. Yeah, and I just wanted to note additionally that in deciding this case, the, case, the court looked at the plain language and the text of Title VII. Um, it said that the legislative history of Title VII has no bearing here. Uh, Title VII prohibits discrimination because of sex. And that's exactly what it says. It does not say it prohibits discrimination because of sex, except for gay people or except for males, except for transgender individuals, except for mothers, or except in cases of sexual harassment. Indeed, the Supreme Court's precedent has already determined that Title VII's because of sex language encompasses sexual harassment against females, even though there was no term sexual harassment defined in the dictionary when the law was enacted in 1964. And now it also encompasses sexual harassment of men. Since because of sex language has a broad meaning with no exceptions, the broad language is applied. And that's what the court did in this case. The, the court concluded that the statute's message for our cases is equally simple and momentous. An individual's homosexuality or transgender status is not relevant to employment decisions. That's because it is impossible to discriminate against a person for being homosexual or transgender without discriminating against that individual based on sex. Thank you, Lisa, for that explanation. So, Conrad, could you tell us what you see as the most immediate consequences of this ruling? Uh, sure. The 
most obvious one is an increase in employment discrimination claims uh, related to sexual orientation and gender identity being filed uh, following this, this ruling. And on the other hand, the, I'm sure that the ruling will set off years, if not decades, of legal challenges to its application for um, this one example that immediately comes to mind uh, would be religious and other institutions that have a completely different uh, definition or interpretation of uh, sex uh, or sexuality. Uh, and lastly, it will also force private and government employers to immediately revise their hiring slash employment policies and practices. I, I can imagine that as we speak, there are probably plenty of Zoom meetings between HR directors and legal departments trying to figure out uh, how to implement these, implement these changes and uh, be compliant with, with the law that is only 48 hours old. So is this ruling's impact limited to an employment setting? Well, the majority, uh, Justice Gorsuch in, in this case, uh, uh, made it very clear that the ruling is limited to Title VII. However, uh, as Justice Alito observed in his dissenting opinion, there's over 100 federal statutes that prohibit discrimination because of sex. Um, so since the ruling recognizes the expansiveness of the meaning, quote, because of sex, unquote, uh, it will be just very difficult for uh, the courts to interpret it, to interpret other statutes and regulations to have a more narrow meaning. Um, so in, let's keep in mind that this is now the law of the land. It's a Supreme Court decision. Consequently, it will affect everything from federal statutes and regulations to state statutes, uh, all the way to uh, local ordinances. So from Title IX interpretation of who can be, or I'm sorry, who cannot be discriminated based on sex on federally funded college campuses to bathrooms and locker rooms, sports, housing, military, law enforcement, employment by religious organizations, and healthcare benefits to just mention the few. Uh, in other words, this is just going to be a ripple effect throughout the whole country, throughout municipalities, states. Uh, and uh, just to be fair, there. I'm sure a lot of states and employers that uh, already have policies that are consistent with this decision. So uh, we cannot assume that basically everyone is behind and, and didn't, uh, didn't provide its employees with, with these protections or rights. Uh, and also, um, I think that speaking of the ripple effect, I don't think it will be just contained within the borders of the United States. Uh, so for example, in terms of foreign policy and human rights efforts, uh, it is difficult to demand that other countries recognize or respect the rights of their LGBTQ communities Communities when, um, when you fail to do so back home. So this ruling should definitely boost those efforts and set an example for others, other countries, while also unfortunately getting us up to speed with those countries that are years ahead of us on this particular issue. Great.
Thank you so much, Andrea, Conrad, and Lisa, for joining us today to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court's decision. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of PA Centered. And to find more resources about sex discrimination, including sexual harassment and discrimination against LGBTQ individuals, you can visit PCAR's website at PCAR.org or contact our legal department. So thanks again, Conrad, Lisa, and Andrea for being here with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us, Jackie. Thanks for having us, Jackie. Thanks. And I want to remind our listeners to stay tuned for another episode coming out soon about how this decision will have implications for LGBTQ survivors around advocacy. So be sure to stay subscribe and stay on the lookout for that episode coming to you soon. Thanks, everyone. If you or a loved one needs help, a local sexual assault center is available 24-7. Call 1-888-772-7227 for more information or find your local center online at pcar.org. Together, we can end sexual violence. Any views or opinions expressed on PA Centered by staff or their guests are solely their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of PCAR or PCAR's funders.